I am Cassandra Storm, and I first met Mary and Tina White at the 2013 Keystone Conference. I reached out to Mary because I wanted to interview the spouse of someone who transitioned. But Mary and Tina were so generous with their time that they met with me for almost two and a half hours. As first, I interviewed Mary, then her wife, Tina, and then the two of them together. And they both spoke so beautifully, sharing the story of Tina's transition from their own perspectives, that I have decided to turn this one interview into three. Tonight, you will listen to Mary's story as she watched the man of her dreams, Tom, transition to Tina and what that was like from her perspective. This is a beautiful and amazing couple. Tina wrote a book about her transition called Between Shadow and Sun. In it, Mary wrote the foreword and they also enclosed lots of letters from Mary to Tom and from their children as Tina transitioned. One of the things you will hear in this interview is Mary will refer to her past with Tina as her husband Tom using masculine pronouns. This is given with permission from Tina and Tina will talk about this in her interview next week. As the interviewer, I agree with the use of calling Mary's former husband, Tom, with masculine pronouns so that we can understand the timeline over their journey through Tina's transition. I hope that you can understand and appreciate our use of the two different names and the different pronouns as Mary shares this story. I'd like to thank Mary and Tina so very much for their time. They are two incredible people. Their story is very inspiring, but I do warn you, Mary and I do cry in our interview. It is heartbreaking and heartwarming to listen to. Thank you all, and I hope you enjoy the story. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of My Feminine Heart. Today is a really special episode. So for the first time ever, our interview is going to be centered around the spouse, the amazing wife of someone who transitioned. And we are going to hear from her transition spouse uh, later in this interview, but um, you know, this is an amazing woman. Her name is Mary White. We met years ago at Keystone. She has spoken um, publicly. Her wife, Tina, has spoken publicly as well, um, traveling the country for HRC. And uh, they have a beautiful, amazing story. And I know that so many people who listen to our episodes and who watch our episodes, um, they want to know what it's like for the spouse when someone transitions or they themselves, we do have audience members who 
have been through a transition as the significant other. So Mary, I'm so honored that you are taking the time to speak with us today and to share your story. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I think it is important for people to hear how spouses handle the relationships. Oftentimes they don't stay in them. So let me just give you a little background about me. So I grew up in a very small town in Michigan. Um, I have five, we have five children together. Two are mine, two, three are hers and five grandchildren. And they live all across America, actually. Um, you know, I went to, a, a I lived in a town where people married right out of high school. And I did that. I got married at 18. By the time I was 20, I had two kids. And my husband at that time wanted me to stay home, take care of the house and the kids. And, you know, I grew up and we grew apart. And by the time I was 25, I found a job. And when I was 26, I divorced and was uh, raising two kids on my own. And they were seven and nine at the time. That was a struggle because I don't have a college degree, but I was able to work my way up, became project manager for a Fortune 500 company and, you know, did a good job. Um, 23 years ago, I met this amazing guy in an airplane. Um, his name is Tom. He happened to sit next to me. And I know this, a lot of people, when somebody's sitting next to you, you don't want to talk to them. Well, he was cute, so I wanted to talk to him. So I, you know, just started, we had a little one hour flight between Columbus, or Chicago to Columbus, Ohio. We both were consultants and we flew every week back and forth. And so he happened to be on the same flight as me on the way back and um, on the way back from Columbus to Chicago. So I was asking him, I noticed he had no ring. So I started asking him questions and um, really liked him. Um, the following Tuesday, well, first off that following Monday, he was on the same flight as me because we talked about what flights we took and he actually sat right next to me on the plane. He made sure he got the seat next to me. So we got to talk some more. So that next Tuesday, we went on our first date and I literally fell in love with him. He's just absolutely amazing and super smart, cute, funny, everything you could want. That's so romantic. The idea of meeting a stranger on a plane. That I know, isn't that crazy? Most of the time I don't want to talk to the person next to me, but I'm here to tell you, you never know where you're going to meet your loved one. Um, five months later, he proposed on that same flight from Columbus to Chicago. And uh, we had flown back and forth on that flight so many times that the, the stewardesses knew us. They all knew us. So he had the pilot announce. He wrote a note, gave it to the stewardess. She gave it to the pilot. The pilot actually thought somebody was proposing to one of the stewardesses. And it was uh, Tom proposing to me. And I, I was just amazed the whole plane heard it and uh, of course i said yes first i said what's the ring look like <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> there are priorities <laughs> i said yes of course so um that was really so cool he's just so romantic and um so 
so a year later, we married in Jamestown, Rhode Island, and uh, he planned the entire wedding. He took care of the invitations, the, um, he wrote the ceremony, he took care of the cake, everything. So that should have been a clue, right? What yes. kind of does it? <laughs> yeah. And you just, you just did your own thing while yeah, I just showed up. He just, I told him, look, if you want to have a, a big wedding, you have to plan it because I don't want it. I just will. I'll just show up because, uh, you know, he was my third time around. So I just said, I've been there, done that. Don't want to do it again. So anyway, he did. He wanted the whole family there. He invited all his exes. We had a it was a great it was fun. My my kids were there. Uh, her kids with his kids were there. So, you know what I was doing on the day of our wedding? I took our kids out to visit the Newport, Rhode Island mansions while he was planning, getting the wedding all set up. His comment to me was, make sure you're back in time for the wedding. There was yeah, a that's a pretty relaxed bride. I can tell you I started my career photographing weddings, and I don't think I've ever seen a bride not spend her entire day in bride mode. <laughs> I know it's funny. Um, I think uh, looking back, I was more of the guy in the relationship, quite frankly, <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. So, uh, but before we married, Tom told me he had a secret to tell me. He said, I just have to tell you something before we get too uh, involved. He said, I sometimes have this uncontrollable desire to dress, as, dress in women's clothes. And I said, what is that all about? And he's like, well, you'll never have to see it. So I said, okay, if I never have to see it, why do I care? I mean, he's such an amazing person. Um, and you hadn't grown up in a very diverse town, right? Like you, you had any exposure to anyone like this? No, no, I, I didn't even know a Jewish, Jewish person growing up. Didn't know any black people growing up. It was, uh, Catholic, Protestant, little tiny, 2,100 people town. It's crazy. So I just had no idea what was about. I thought, well, it's probably a fetish or something. And if I never have to see it, why do I care? So in our marriage was perfect. It was, some people say to me often, you know, Tom is designed as a woman would design him. He's perfect. Imagine that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> He is a woman, no wonder. Um, so he would dress in secret. And then eventually I would start seeing things around the house, like clothes that were obviously not mine, shoes that didn't fit. Um, he, um, his frequency of dressing would go, it'd be like three years apart and then two years apart and then one year apart. And it just kept getting more frequent and uh, less secret. And he, so he had these moments where he, where Tina would surface. Oh yes, it was, it was unbelievable. He would be so sure he conquered this. He'd, he'd say, I conquered this. I know I have, I'm, Tina is gone. I am totally Tom. And that would, he would try so hard and that would last. Like I said, it would start out like for three years and then I'd start seeing signs and the signs were he'd start losing a lot of weight. He would shave all the hair off his body and I knew it was coming and I would just be devastated. 
Um, what was I, it, what did it feel like for you when Tina would surface? I felt like oh, I'm losing Tom and this woman is coming along and taking him away. And I've had two previous marriages. Um, Take your time. You've got me crying right along with you. I should have grabbed tissues. And, um, you know, I've had a woman take my husband away before and I thought, oh God, here we go again. Only this time it's worse. And she wants me to be his best friend. I actually said, so I would cry and want my, and when he would dress as Tina and then start, start not being silent about it and like sit around the living room dressed as Tina, I, I would just cry and cry and say, I just want my Tommy back. And she would say, I'm right here. So imagine this woman, this man dresses a woman looking at you and saying, I'm right here. I said, no, you're not. That's not my Tommy. And it was so heartbreaking because I knew I was losing him to her. Oh, sorry. How did Tina feel? <laughs> she didn't understand. She didn't understand. She'd say, what do you mean? I'm right here. I'm the same person. I'm like, you're not. You're not the same person on the outside. And, did um, Tina feel, did she react to you differently as Tina than as Tom? Like how you laughed together or talked together, spent time together, did that change? Or was it just an outwardly physical change? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that because as Tom, I mean, he hardly had any friends of his own. He was really withdrawn and quiet. And I noticed when Tom was in the room, he was super active, always found projects to work on to keep himself busy. And when Tina was in the room, her face lit up and she was calm. And you could just tell she was so happy to be this woman that she really was. And um, when we got to the point where I'd finally say, okay, well, I'll go out with you. I so clearly remember we went to a concert Jimmy Buffett concert and she loved Jimmy Buffett always and she got to dress as Tina and she was like a different person I mean she was she, she didn't to be honest she didn't pass but she was so happy to be herself she would talk to people and dance and laugh and I thought wow this is who she really is this is her so, um, I mean, when Tom was back, when she'd come back to Tom and go to work as Tom, she was so quiet and depressed. And I, I, I remember one time I burst into the bathroom because she was in there for so long. I thought, oh my God, she was so, she's been, he has been so depressed. I don't know if he's trying to kill himself. So I burst in there and he was just sitting in the bathtub crying. And, uh, I sat next to him on the tub and held his hand and said, what's wrong? And he said, I can't live like this anymore. I'm so sorry. I can't do it. And that's when I knew I had to let him go 
to let her come out or I'm not going to have him either. So you go through this alone. Were you the only person who knew about Tina all that time? I was, I was all alone. I couldn't tell anybody, not even my sister. And she was, you know, really close. I couldn't tell anybody when he was trying to figure out what, what was going on. Nobody knew. I was all alone. He would go to therapy and go to New York City and hang out with other trans people. But I was all alone. I had nobody. And I'd stay home and cry. And you, you know, you're a very social person. Um, You know, when we first met, I just saw the smiles and the confidence and the bubbly personality. Um, You said Tom didn't have friends, but you two had friends together. Were they, did you just have friends together or that, that you brought into the relationship? What was it like when Tom was Tina and your friends wanted to spend time with you or come to the house? Yeah, so that's interesting. Actually, when I first met Tom, one thing I noticed was he had no friends and I introduced him to all my friends and I had a ton of friends. This is when I was living in, when we were living in Chicago. And um, I thought, well, that's so odd that he doesn't have friends. And I thought, well, maybe it's because he has two kids or three kids that he was dealing with and two that were right close to him and he was dealing with them. My kids were older on their own. So that was really strange. But all my friends just loved him. And then when we moved to New Jersey and we moved there to be near his children because his ex-wife moved there for her job and we wanted to make sure his children grew up around us. So we moved to New Jersey and the friends we made were the friends I found and they were all in our neighborhood. And um, I'd have happy hours and people come over. And so when he was going through this back and forth stuff and Nobody knew he had to be Tom when I'd have my friends over. So they didn't know. Um, I think some people suspected because there'd be remnants of fingernail polish on his hands and um, his arms would be shaved. And sometimes they'd say, hmm, they'd actually say to me, that, that's weird. His hair and his arms are gone. I said, yeah, I know. Sometimes he does that. I don't know what that's about. Just try to brush it off. So it was hard. We actually isolated a lot. When he finally came out to all of the neighbors, when he decided, this is what I have to do. The found a therapist that said, this is what you are. You have to accept who you are or you'll never be happy. And so he had to live as a woman for a year without telling anybody what was going on. So he would come home from work as Tom, change, become Tina, and then he'd go into Manhattan and walk around Manhattan as Tina. And I am ashamed of this, but I was so angry at Tina that I wouldn't go with him when he had to do that. I just wouldn't, and I was afraid for his life. But I refused to be seen with him. I just couldn't do it. I was kept hoping she'd go away. And um, so that was a year of that. And then finally it got to a point where I knew she wasn't gonna go away. So either I had to try to adjust 
or be sad for the rest of my life or leave him. So that, we, oh, I'm sorry. In that year, he was still going to work as Tom. Right. But she was Tina at home. Correct. Um, what about with your, your children and, and grandchildren? Um, did the family know at that point? No, nobody knew. It was a secret until she finally came out when she finally realized this is exactly what she needed to do. So it was probably, she actually came out in 2013 at work. So I would say it was, well, all of this had been going on since we were married. And in 2005, maybe, or seven, is when she was going to, you know, live as a woman during the day, or during the night. And so probably around 2007 or nine, I don't, don't remember exactly, is when she came out to the neighbors, which came out and she told me I have to do this, came out to her family. And um, her family's been absolutely amazing. Her parents are old and her father's a Presbyterian minister. And they were fantastic. They actually, her father said to me, look, I understand this is not what you signed up for. If you want to leave, I get it but you will always be part of our family. And how did, uh, how did you feel when he said that? Oh, I felt so loved by them. I just, and the fact that they accepted her, they, they, they accepted her and they're, they're 88 now. So they were old when she came out to them. So yeah, I felt so loved by his family. I still feel very loved by his family. And so he came out to the, his family, then he came out to the children, and then he came out to the neighborhood. And the, the children had a hard time. The neighborhood had a hard time. Some of them said, I don't want to be around that. So we actually moved away from that neighborhood because I felt so um, rejected by them. Our kids, um, her kids are better, were better than my daughter. My daughter is very religious. She lives in Western Michigan and very conservative part of Michigan. And she said, God made you as you are. You need to accept that and you're living in sin. And um, it wasn't easy. She is better now because she knows it's not gonna go away. But, um, and her kids have come around I think one, one thing with my daughter, actually, she has twin boys and one of her boys is gay. And I feel like God's trying to tell her, look, your son's gay. Are you going to throw him out too? And I think that that's made them both, my daughter and son-in-law, wake up. They're still not super accepting of either of us, of us or of her son, but she's a lot better than she used to be. Her son moved away too. He moved to North Carolina too. Anyway. That was uh, hard. So we moved away from there um, and moved, just moved away from that house, sold it, and actually stayed in New Jersey, but moved uh, to Hoboken, which is a great little town right across the river from Manhattan, and made new friends. And we made friends as Tina. She was Tina, and she can make friends as Tina because she's who she is. But before we moved, she transitioned at work. Her, her work was fantastic. My work knew something was going on because I was so distracted at 
it interfered with my work. You know, I was, I was so distracted. I finally told my boss what was going on and, and she, then she, and she, she was very supportive when she found out what was going on. She, she said, now I get why you're so distracted and how can I do, what can I do to help? And you don't have to tell anybody else unless you want to. So that was very nice. Mary, one of the things that I'm so touched by is your commitment to your family and your children. I did not know what a good divorce looked like until I was an adult and made friends with people who had stayed friends with their exes and, and supported their children together. I had never seen a, a good divorce. And I'm floored that and love that you you guys moved to Jersey to continue to stay in, in Tina's young children's life um, so that they still had a sense of family, even though Tina was long divorced to the parents of her children and remarried to you. Um, you know, one of the things we hadn't mentioned, which we're going to mention several times in this interview, is that you and Tina wrote a book together. Um, and, it, you know, and, and, and in reading the book, I read a line that Tina had said she couldn't, you know, she was asking people to accept so much of her, but the idea of, ex, of asking you to give up your children, did you ever think about not staying with Tina with this loss of your, of your relationship with your daughter? I um, actually thought oftentimes of leaving, but I ended up saying, well, I'll stay through this and I'll stay through that. And I knew with my daughter, she can dislike me all she wants, but she's not getting me out of her life because I will constantly be in touch with her and I will make her talk to me, you know? And I felt like eventually she'll come around because she, she's a good person. And I don't think she wants me, wants us out of our life. I know she doesn't. And so I just knew that uh, she's an adult. She was an adult at the time. And I had to live my life, but I was not ever going to let her disappear from my life. So I would always call her and try to get her to come around. Yeah, uh, we, we actually moved Chicago, from Chicago. Plus, my kids were grown by the time Tom and I got married, by the way. They were grown. They were married. Well, my son wasn't married yet, but my daughter was married. Um, so that made a big difference. And you even, you had grandchildren by that point, right? We did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We have, we had three grandchildren by then already. My daughter's grandchildren. I don't um, know why you're old enough to have grandchildren now with how gorgeous you look and how youthful you look, let alone having grandchildren when you met Tom 23 years ago on that plane. Thank you. Well, wine's a good preservative. <laughs> so you said, um, you said you, you, you thought about leaving several times, like from the beginning. I mean, you knew about Tina microscopically, um, before you got married, but then as this continued to surface, there were times, and even Tina's dad said to you, if you don't want to stay, don't stay. You didn't sign up for this. What, how long had you planned to stay? What, what was your plan? 
I, I had no plan really. Actually, t Tom told me, you know, if you want to go back to Chicago, so we had moved to New Jersey in 2001. So it was still Tom and Mary moving to New Jersey in August, 2001. So all of this transpired really while we were living in New Jersey, where she realized this is what she had to do. So she actually told me, look, if you want to go back to Chicago, I get it. Even if you want to go back and stay for a few months to see what you want to do, go, go ahead. I support it. But, but you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave knowing all the things he's, he was going through. You know, I really love, I love him and I couldn't leave having him having to come out at work and have him come out at, you know, the neighbors going through his surgeries. I thought, oh, I'll just stay through this surgery. You know, the facial feminization surgery. Oh, I'll, and then I saw, I couldn't, and then I thought, oh, I'll just stay through this and I'll just stay through that. And I found I couldn't leave. I just couldn't because she's my best friend. And do I really miss Tom? I do. But I do know Tom wouldn't be here if Tina wasn't here. And I do see a lot of Tom in Tina. He's still in there. He's just, uh, he just appears differently. And I'm so thankful I stayed because, I mean, we kind of live as uh, best friends now. I'm not uh, physically attracted to women. So, but we sleep in the same bed. We just don't, you know, I don't know if you, it's probably more than you need to know, but we are. <laughs> it's okay. Anybody who buys your book can read about it. <laughs> I was shocked yeah. at how personal that you get. <laughs> yeah, so we do. I'm so glad that we live together. We are so compatible. We travel a lot. And um, so we both retired, I guess, around in 2015 from our jobs. I know I just, I retired in December 2015. She retired, I think it was September. They, they did a... Um, reorg at her or her company, which was fantastic with her, by the way, they did a reorg and she got, uh, she didn't want to stay. She just didn't want to try to find another position. So she left, I think it was September and, um, of 2015. So, um, now we're living together. We actually left, uh, Hoboken and moved to beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, which I love and um, living our best lives. We're both volunteering um, where we can. I volunteer politically when I can, she does too. I, I do uh, guardian ad litem, which is uh, being an advocate for children who've been removed from their home due to neglect, abuse, or abandonment. Some, some people know that as CASA. Right, court-appointed special advocate in some states. And that's very rewarding. I also volunteer at the hospital. Tina volunteers at uh, Human Rights Campaign, HRC. We do a lot of things with them. And um, she's also executive director for Blue Ridge Pride, the pride, pride that goes on here in Asheville. So, she's really helped take that pride level to the next 
to the next level, hasn't she? The, the Pride Festival. She did. When she took over, I think she said there were like 40 booths, vendor booths. And this year they're not having a physical Pride. They're having a virtual Pride. Um, but last year there were over 200 booths. That's just crazy. There were 15,000 people attending. And it's crazy. She's amazing. So um, Tina transitioned in 2013 at work, at work. That was kind of the last place she transitioned. That's right. So that's when she changed her name. So first she, she took six weeks off of work. She changed her name. She did the facial feminization surgery. And then she went back as Tina. And uh, that was in, so I, I, in June is when she changed her name legally. Yeah, so that was one thing I thought about for me, you know, what's this going to do for me? Is it going to hurt my career? Because I was working still when she transitioned. Is it going to hurt my career? Is it going to take away my benefits? Because she's a woman and I married a man and the marriage certificate said a man. What does that mean? Is my marriage still valid? I don't know, you know? Um, uh, there's so many things I hadn't thought about. Like, would I still be eligible for her benefits should she die? You know, should something happen to her? We've worked through all of that. I should say Tina worked through all of that. I told her, if you're doing this, it's up to you to figure that all out. But, you know, that's things I hadn't thought about. And what about, you know, our marriage? Is that legal now? You know, we married on our marriage certificate. William Thomas White married Rose White. Is that still legal? We never changed the marriage certificate. She did go through and change her birth certificate to, to have the new marker as female. And um, everything she... She changed everything she had to change, Social Security and all that. And um, so because we have that document that shows that she was William Thomas to Tina White, she tells me that makes it okay that we're still good. I hope we are, you know, but I never thought about that stuff. The other thing that's really interesting being, being considered a, a lesbian, that was the other thing. What about my identity? You know, what are people going to think of me? They're going to think I'm a lesbian. Why do I care? I don't know, because I'm not, I guess, you know. But now I'm, I'm past that. I call myself a situational lesbian. <laughs> you even have the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I figure if they, if they think I'm a lesbian, that means she's passing and it's better for her. So that makes me feel better for her. And um, there was a long time, it took me a long time to hold hands in public or, or hug in public. It took me a long time to get past that, but I'm, I'm so past that now. Um, yeah, uh, I was going somewhere with that. I was just going to say one thing I hadn't thought about, never crossed my mind. We travel a lot. We've always traveled a lot to different countries and never crossed my mind. Before I go to a country, I better see if they're okay with our relationship. I never thought about that. And I think about all my LGBTQ friends, which I have a ton of now, by the way, and I absolutely love them. They're my people. They always had to think about that. And it's so, it was so foreign to me to have to say, well, I better look up the laws there and see if they're okay with 
two women coming in and staying in the same room. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's it, what has your experience been like traveling internationally with Tina? You know, it's been, it's been good. There hasn't been any, any, uh, animosity, animosity. Nobody's there's sometimes there's stares, but so what, you know, the first international trip we took, she was still Tom. And she asked if we could, if she could bring Tina with her. And we went to Venice. And we when we got to Venice, she changed us into Tina. And she was Tina on that trip. It was so odd for me to be with Tina, who hadn't been through the feminine feminization surgery yet, wearing a wig, getting the stares. It was really a little bit scary because I didn't know what people would do and really odd. And actually we were, we were at a restaurant in Venice and um, um, she went to get some cash. So she left the table to go, go to an ATM. And the waiter came over to me and said, if you want a real man, come, come with me tonight. I'll show you what a real man is. Oh my God. I know, I know. And I was, I just said, I don't need a real man. I have my wife, Tina, and she'll be right back. I was appalled. They're so, sometimes the uh, Italians can be very forward. So can the French. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually, um, I wanted to ask you, I read in the book, there are times that just even here in the US, you and Tina go out and people would hit on Tina in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and I would get, I'd actually get jealous and I'd just go over and put my arm around her and, you know, guys would start talking to her. And um, like if I went to a bathroom and I came back, guys started talking, no, I'd just go over there and put my arm around. So this would happen in New York more. It doesn't really happen here. People know us as a couple here in this, this is a smaller town. Um, but in New York, that would happen. And I'd go over there and put my arm around her she would just laugh. <laughs> That's kind of cute. That, that means, I mean, I think she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous and she's so um, amazing. Anybody that meets her absolutely loves her. And you all will meet her soon in this video. <laughs> now, when you, um, when you decided to stay, was it like an epic announcement? Like, I'm staying, this is it? Or did you, did you have to redefine what your marriage meant to you? I mean, I know you talked a little bit about the bedroom and, and your interactions out in public, but, or was it just, was, was it just a continuation of everything? Was it gradual? It was gradual. It was a continuation of everything. You know, when, when this first came about, all my friends would ask me, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave? I'd leave. You should leave. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to leave yet. I might leave, but right now I'm not. I'm staying. You know, this is my best friend. I can't just leave, leave him out in the, to deal with this on, an, on his own. I'm staying right now. And then it was, I'm staying right now. Yeah, I guess I'm still staying. Yeah, I guess I'm staying. I'm not leaving. This is it. So <laughs> I never really had to make that announcement because it was obvious I was just going to stay. You know, if you had um, anything that you wanted to share 
with anyone else going through this right now, what would you like to say? Yeah, it, it, it is, it's devastating and you probably will feel like your husband or wife, whoever's going through this has died. I do, I do. I feel like my husband has died and this new woman came out. But you know what, at the other end, it's, it's great. It's still, it's not bad. Still the same friendship, still same relationship. It's, if you're best friends when you're opposite sexes or same sexes or whatever the case may be, after this, you could still be same best friends and have a fantastic life. We have a fantastic life. We are, people envy how great we are. I'm proud of that. You know, in the end, love wins, right? Love is love. Mary, thank you so much um, for taking this time with us today. You are a, a beautiful, amazing person. And I know that, you know, it, it may seem like this was long ago, but to, you know, you've written the book, you've spoken publicly. I'm crying again. <laughs> You're used to getting the message out there, but to, to, see you, to see you cry today and to hear you talk about it, um, I know that it's gonna help so many people listen to your story. And um, boy, I, I, I can barely get through this without crying. Um, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you for having me on here. I appreciate it. I think it's a good message to get out that life goes on. It's not, it's not the end of your marriage if you don't want it to be. Stay tuned next week for part two of this interview where I sit down with Tina to hear what her transition was like from her perspective and how she watched Mary cope with her transition and how they survived as a loving couple to this day. If you would like to read Tina Madison White's book, you can find it on Amazon. Between Shadow and Sun, A Husband's Journey Through Gender, A Wife's Labor of Love. If you believe interviews like this should continue, we ask that you join our membership and support all our efforts at My Feminine Heart. You can sign up to join our waitlist for when our membership reopens in 2021 at myfeminineheart.com. And don't forget to join us Tuesday nights on our Facebook page of My Feminine Heart for when we join our audience live every week, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you for your support and have a great day.